1: That's
0: shopify.com/slash
1: specialoffer.
0: Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, a few words before we get started. I wanted to let you know that I'm putting the finishing touches on my next book. It's called All in the Same Boat: Lead Your Organization Like a Nuclear Submariner. It will be available for pre-order in the next few months. I've spent more than two years writing this book, and it's filled with stories from my time in the Navy and how I applied those lessons to lead nine different manufacturing plants over the last three decades. Feedback I received from my first book, I Have the Watch, was that you wanted to hear more sea stories. Well, this new book is filled with them. If you wanted to know what it was like to live and lead on a nuclear submarine at sea, this is your book, So make sure you subscribe to this podcast or follow me on all the socials to get more details on the upcoming book launch. As always, if you want to support this show, please visit my sponsors, BottomGunCoffee.com and Eyeofthewatch.com. Both use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Today my guest is Marie Cosgrove. She has an amazing story. As a single mother of four children, she was fired for refusing to take a pay cut. So, she started her own company and eventually bought the company that fired her. This is a story of overcoming seemingly impossible hardship and difficulty to come out on top. We all face challenges in our personal and business life, and I know you will be inspired by Marie's story. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Marie Cosgrove. 12 years ago, she was a single mother of four children when she was fired from her company because she made too much in commissions. Instead of becoming bitter, vengeful, or angry, she started her own company. Two years later, she acquired the company that fired her and built it into an internationally recognized brand. She has a remarkable story, which she shares in a new book called Greater Fortune, which is available for pre-order. I'm excited to have her on the show to talk about her journey. So, Marie, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on your show.
0: Well, I'm honored to have you, and I'm really excited about hearing about your story and how you were so successful, and it's such a unique and compelling story that I think all of us can learn something from, from your experiences. So, I wanted to start off, I, I you know... Um, you know, the story is compelling. You you were fired from one company, started another company, and ended up acquiring the company that fired you. That's incredible. But, you know, for me at least, even you getting in the business world in the beginning is a pretty remarkable story. You you overcame a lot of challenges to get to at least even entering into the business world. So tell us a little bit about the the beginning of your journey.
1: Okay, well... I, I started out working really young, and I got into marketing, and eventually I was leading a marketing department for a large Fortune 500 company, $600 million marketing budget. I had to just get up and leave that job because I was in a domestic violence situation. So dad lost parental rights, I have to leave, I've got four kids, and I couldn't get a nine to five job, because here I have four kids, one's a baby, and we've got to go through counseling and all the stuff that comes with all that mess of domestic violence. So there was just absolutely no way I could get that type of job. So I thought sales, sales, I can, you know, I can make my own schedule and I, if I just go sell a lot of products. I'll make a good, a decent living. Right. And I didn't really think this through. It was just something that came, you know, to the top of my head, you know, sales is about the only thing I can do. I've got to support my kids. I had nowhere to go. We were, we were sleeping in the living room floor of my aunt and uncle's house. Wow. And they were getting tired because I have a daughter that's suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome from the abuse she encountered. Waking up in the middle of the night, screaming, crying, and nobody can get any sleep. And they're like, you've got to get out of here. You've got to get a job. you got to do something. I'm like, I'm trying. So, um, of course, nobody would hire me because they said had no sales experience. Mm. And because I had marketing experience, I would tell them that. Look, I have marketing experience. If I can sell... Oh, the board of directors, how to spend $600 million. I could sell anything. And they're right, like, yeah, right. it doesn't work that way. It's That's not sales. Well, I finally convinced someone to give me an opportunity if they allowed me to pay my own way to training. And they said, if I pass the training, I'd get the job. So this was in medical devices. And this is diagnostic equipment, high-end medical equipment. I go to training and there's like a room full of guys and this is way back, you know, I'm showing my age here, but I was in my late 20s here. So it was a full room of guys. And I'm the only minority, I'm the only female. Wow. And, but but it didn't phase me quite yet. Not until after the training, when I got a hundred, I'm like, yes, I got a hundred, I'm in. And I'm like, I'm really excited because like, I know I got the sales position. I scored really high. And then the president's like, you know, some of you did really well on this test, but sales is still not for you. It, it takes a certain qu- kind of person to make it mm. in this industry. It's a man's world. Oh. And I'm looking around and I'm like, "Um, he must be talking to me. And so when he's walking out, I, I'm like, you were talking to me, weren't you? And he's like, of course, you're not. You'll never make it in this industry. He wow. says, you have to take, you know, there's a lot you have to do. And his vice president chimed in and his vice president says, look, you got to take the doctor's hunting. You got to take him fishing. You got to take him to the strip bar. Are you willing to do any of those things? I mm. said, no, I'm not willing to do any of those things. But just give me a chance. Straight commission. You have nothing to lose. Give me a chance. So they gave me a contract for 30 days. Wow. So I was really excited because I was like, I'm going to prove these guys wrong. And I go back home. And my grandfather, who helped raise me, I was raised by my grandparents, and he was diagnosed leukemia. Hmm. So, I I didn't know how much time he had left. I knew I had 30 days, but I didn't know how much time he had. So I spent my time with him at the hospital and he passed away three weeks later. And then I get a call from the president. He says, you haven't told anything. We're just going to cancel your contract. And I said, wait a minute, I've got one week left. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And he laughed and hung up on me. Well, that week I you know, knocked on doors and eight to five, just hitting it, hitting it hard. Well, you know, till my kids got out of school, really. But finally, the last day on a Friday, I closed on a doctor and it was, it it was actually a horrible experience for my first (laughs) sale. It was really horrible because his doctor had opened up six new offices and he met me at one of the offices where he had no furniture yet. So he gives me a rolling stool and he says, why don't you sit here, but be careful. So I'm like, being really careful, what happens? The stool shoots out. I fall oh. back on my back. My two legs are sticking up and the doctor's looking at me like, are you okay? So either he felt sorry for me or I did a good job selling because he wrote a check that day for $150,000. Oh. And work of equipment for all of his facilities I called the president I said I met my quota not only for this month but for the next couple of months and he's like yeah let's see if this check clears so the check cleared and <laughs> I was in I had the sales job and I did really well but that didn't last because I was working for a distribution company mm-hmm. and the distributor lost their contract so They lost the contract with the manufacturer. The manufacturer calls me and they said, do you want to sell for us? And I said, I can't because the distributors threatening to sue me. I'm a single mom with four kids. So I started looking for other things to sell. And that's when I found Back. And I said, this is a great product. And I was Mm. really excited. It's to diagnose dizziness, concussion, traumatic brain injuries. It's very niche. It's only for doctors that are in this field that help patients when they have dizziness to find out what the cause is. And there's a 99% cure rate. So I was really excited about it, kind of went through the same thing, but not as challenging. I mean, they really didn't want to hire me, but I was in and I did really well. And I get a call um, one day from the vice president saying that he wanted to meet me because I had did I had done some pretty high level sales some prestigious customers, uh, Baylor University, University of Texas. So they said, we want to meet with you. So I'm thinking promotion, promotion. And I was like really excited because I thought I'm really moving up with this company and they're really proud of the work I'm doing. And that's what he said. So I was like really excited. So he hands me a sheet of paper and I'm thinking it's like, you know, maybe an offer to be VP or be in charge of international sales or something big. So I look at it and he said, it says a, a dollar amount. He says, we want you to come on as a salaried employee and work for us full time salary. Problem was, it was how much I was making a commission on average per month,
0: but oh. they wanted to pay me
1: per year. Oh, and I'm like, I can't do that. I'm a single mom with four kids, and two of my kids have medical conditions. I, you know, they didn't understand I was paying for my own marketing. I was paying for my own travel. I have to travel with four little kids, you know, flying everywhere to make these sales. Yeah. And so I, I told them, that I can't do this. And they said, well, then you're fired. You can't sell for us because you don't have any other option. You take this or don't take it at all. And if you don't accept this, don't even bother to do the training for the next, the sales you just did. So, I was like, oh my gosh, I just got myself into a huge mess because I went from doing really well. I had just lifted myself up from this pit hole I was in. And then to find out now I'm from making this much money to zero. Wow. So one of the doctors that I met in my sales, you know, while doing sales calls, I go to him. We became really good friends, him and his wife. And I'm crying and I'm bawling and I'm like, oh my gosh, I lost my job. I don't know what to do. And he's like, this is the best day of your life. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I, I can't afford my doctor's bills for my kids. And you know, I'm on and on just having a pity party. And he's like, no, this is the best day of your life. You're going to start your own company. I'm like, doing what? And he says, you're good at sales. You basically had your own company. So I started looking into what other products I could sell
0: well, let me and let me stop you right there because I think sure, there's so, sure. there's so many powerful lessons you just hit me and, and our listeners with that I'm trying to just absorb it all in. I know you've lived this life, but it's it's almost in a way um, overwhelming. You know, you 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 mentioned you you had a domestic abuse situation. You had four four children, some two with medical condition. You're trying to raise them on your own. You. Go into sales in an early, you know, as a way to, to, to try to boost your income. You, you face discrimination early on based on your gender, right? Uh, you overcome that by selling something in the last day of a 30 day uh, trial contract. You, you end up becoming a successful salesperson in the medical device industry. And then you get fired because they wanted to reduce your salary. That's crazy. I mean, what? (laughs) First of all, (laughs) it's amazing. It's an amazing story. But the question I would have is, what went through your head when you when you realized that you know that uh, I've done all this, I've achieved all this, and then they just want to just write me off like like I don't belong when I clearly do belong. What kind of? I mean, I know you you talked about a doctor saying it was the best day of your life, but what kind of emotions were you going through?
1: Well, I was really hurt Mm. and i mean very hurt it, it it hurt like you know a dagger you know being yeah. because it is just like I, I can't believe this because i i knew that i did a good job and they felt that the only reason i was doing a good job was because it was a great product which mm. it was and they said it didn't have anything to do with me they said we don't need mm. to pay you this much we can just do the sales ourselves so it really hurt that, you know, I had friends that I talked to and they would tell me, like, you got to sue them. You got to do this. I'm like, no, yeah. I don't have time for that. I've got four kids. And I really relied heavily on the advice my grandfather taught me. He, he always said, you've got to forgive. Even if nobody asks for forgiveness, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how badly you're hurting. You have to forgive, let things go. And that's probably the best leadership lesson I ever learned. Yes. Because... I was able to, like, they have no idea what they're talking about. I'll let it go. And I have to take care of me.
0: Right, I, don't, I right. don't
1: have time to worry about them. I, I just have to take care of me, take care of my kids. And I was depressed. Yes, I, I mean, I was crying. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was hurt, but I didn't want to have vengeance. Like, you know, I was raised by my grandfather with, you know, God says vengeance is mine. Mm. So I was raised with that value. So I didn't want any revenge, but I was still hurting on the inside. Sure. And so I looked for leaders or mentors that had that same mindset that my grandfather did, that I knew would tell me the truth, that I could, they would tell me the truth, even though I didn't want to hear it. (laughs) And so Dr. Martin is kind of like a father figure for me, him and his wife are like my mom and dad. And that's who I relied on. And there aren't too many people in life that are that way. Yes. I mean, most friends will tell you what you want to hear. Hey, they were wrong. You got to sue them and you got to do this and this. And I just learned from my grandfather, you have to choose your friends wisely. And so that's what I did. And that really helped me because I, I don't think I would have survived if I didn't follow these principles. Because I if I had vengeance in my heart and I wanted to sue them maybe I would have won but I would have lost because I would have had all this time wasted right I got my right. I would have dragged my kids right through it along with me and they would have never called me to say are you interested in investing they would have been upset with me and it would have been ugly
0: yeah but absolutely
1: friends you know, there was like 10 owners and I'm still friends with all 10 of them wow I may not agree with their you know with their worldview but you know, I've learned to maintain that peace and, you know, just t- worry about myself and not have any anger or bitterness towards anyone. Wow.
0: I give you a lot of credit because a lot of people would, would be in lawsuits and they would sue the pants off those, like those guys, but, uh, but you didn't you on advice from, from this doctor, you started your own business and yes. how did that go?
1: So when I was, um, I decided to start doing what I did, you know, with Balance Back, finding products that I could sell and contacting different companies. And then I found one product that every doctor wanted, but it wasn't in existence. Mm. So I talked to Dr. Martin, a couple other, about four or five other doctors. And I said, hey, let's develop this product. And they trusted me because they were my customers. And we had this long, you know, relationship that we had for many, many years. So they trusted me. However, I couldn't find a manufacturer to back me up because I started calling manufacturers that I sold for. And they said, "Look, Marie, you're good at sales, but you you have zero experience in manufacturing. It's mm-hmm. a totally different ball game. That's crazy. Don't you know? Stay in sales. But I I was really passionate about it because so many doctors wanted it. And It was for heart rate variability, plethysmography. Did um, high blood? It tested for high blood pressure. Diabetes, uh, cardiac, autonomic disease, things of that nature. So I found a group of engineers and I said, Well, let's do this. And I sought investors, but all the investors thought it was a crazy idea because at that time, FDA was only approving 50% of the applications. So if you didn't go through, it was thousands of dollars lost. So I ended up funding it myself through sales. Mm -hmm. So I started selling uh, for other companies' products and I took me 2 years to get this product FDA cleared and I my doctors my group of clinicians that I had built relationships with did all the clinical uh, studies the validation and then we got it FDA cleared and we did really well so 2 years later so all the buzz in the healthcare industry mm-hmm. In my small little world, um, because it really is a small world, once you get into healthcare, they called me and they said We're, we heard what you're doing, you're doing really well. Are you interested in investing in our company? So mm. This is the company that fired
0: me. Yeah, but
1: I called my accountant and I said, hey, you know, I've got this opportunity. Can you help do the valuation? Because I don't know anything about this. I've never gone to right. an acquisition. I've gone through that in banking, but nothing like this on my own. So he's like, sure. So we went, he looked at the numbers and he says, look at this year. And it was a year I had worked and he showed me the numbers and I was like, my eyes got really big. And I said, I want to buy the company. I don't want to just like invest in it. And he says, no, no, but you understand you did these sales. You did like 80 over 80% of the sales this year. Mm. So after like six months of negotiations, I bought the company and wow. everybody thought I was going to bankrupt it. Everybody's like, she's going to bankrupt it. She's going to bankrupt herself. And they'll be gone in six months. And 10 years later, we're still here.
0: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors is your boss a jerk i understand you're in the hospital but i'm gonna need you to come in today do they lack any ability to actually lead people oh it's fine i'll, I'll just find somebody else that can do it okay john is offering a new service just for you for only ten dollars he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book i have the watch to your boss with a personal note go to i and enter the discount code boss at checkout It's what I drink every day. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffeeCompany.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. You started a company. You... You self-funded uh, the approval of your product. Uh, you and then and then had the opportunity to not just invest, but to buy out your former company, and you were able to do it. And like you said, once again, regardless of all the success you've had in your career, regardless of all that, people said she's not going to make it. It's going to fail. It's going to go bankrupt. What? How did you feel when they said? When, you, when that was the kind of reaction to you taking over your old company? I mean, how, how did that make you feel?
1: Well, it, it doesn't feel good. I mean, <laughs> I remember getting letters from doctors demanding I write a statement. How are you going to ensure that you're going to be around, Mm. you know, you're still going to be around. How can you ensure you're not going to go bankrupt? Why should I buy from you? Just all kinds of nonsense. It was insane. And so I had the best clinical team. I still had a doctor and I still have uh, Dr. Scarpino, who's our chief technology officer. He's professor emeritus at UD, invented a lot of technologies for the Air Force, and he's still a contractor for the Mm. Air Force. Written every book on, you know, on engineering. He's just a genius. So I got a, a great team. So I'd have to rely on them and put them like, it's not me running it. It's this is the team. Right. You know, right. we, we still have the great team running it. This, this is the team. It's not me. Uh, because truly by myself, yeah, it would fail. But I had like the best engineers, the best clinicians. So I wasn't worried about it. And once we got back our footing back and people knew we weren't going anywhere we were able to build back up but it wasn't um, you know nothing comes easy and,
0: right right
1: you know i still had i still have challenges like, i feel like you know you're, there's always going to be fires and you're always gonna to have to put them out But if you just keep your focus on that, yeah, it's easy to get you down. And then once that happens, it's very hard to get back up. Mm. So Mm. it's just always maintaining that. I I think one of the leadership lessons I always go back to is just forgiveness. And another one is humility, you Mm. know, always staying humble, because that's another thing that I've seen other company cause other companies to go down.
0: Right, right. Well, I think you're in you were in an interesting place there, because you know, you were now the leader of the organization, right? And you had a lot of people pushing back on you, saying, "Well, you know, I don't think it's going to going to survive." But what one of the things that's interesting about your answer was you said, "I have the people to make it happen." So as a leader, you know, you recognize that it's not just me, right? I'm I might be the head of the company, but I have an army of people underneath me that have the skills and have the talent, have the expertise to make this a success. So you rely on your your people, and I think. You mentioned humility. Humility is recognizing that you don't have all the answers and that the answers reside in the team versus the one with the the person with the high ego saying, I have all the answers uh, and and they try to do everything themselves. And I actually think that having a humility, having humility and and relying on people is a much more effective way to uh, to lead and to uh, run an organization. So it sounds like that was probably part of your secret to success, huh?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because even even when I was managing like a marketing department, I always had people smarter than me. And mm-hmm. people would be like, Aren't you worried about losing your position? I'm like, No, because if they're not if I don't have the best people and people that are smarter than me, then the, the department's gonna fail.
0: You right, want the department right.
1: to be successful and it's a reflection on you, on your leadership. And I believe it or not, I still come across with people with that mindset. I was talking to a doctor the other day. I said, Why do you invest in leadership for your team? So that, you know, it'll help your your, your company grow. And and he's like, Well, no, because I don't want my nurse to leave. I don't mm. want, you know, my office manager to leave. And if I invest too much in them, then they'll be too smart and then they'll go somewhere else. No. And I'm like, Wow. No, <laughs> <It's>,
0: <laughs> That's terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't work that way. If, if you invest in your team, they're going to be loyal. And even if they leave, that's OK, because, mm. you know, you've got that skill set to draw in talent back into your business. So Absolutely. anyway, it, I think that is very important is investing in others and having people that are smarter than you around you.
0: I agree un- entirely. So, you know, you you did it. I mean, you took this company over ten years that you were the C- the CEO, and you grew it to an internationally recognized brand. You you made this company success. So you, it's funny because you've had a lot of naysayers over the years. I mean, your entire life, people have said you can't do it, and it right. seems to me you've said uh, yes, I can, and you've proved them wrong every time.
1: Well, you know, I I don't believe it's, I I, I have a lot of faith in God. So I'm like, all glory goes to God. I don't believe I could have definitely done it by myself. And I still don't believe I could do it by myself. I have a great group of people around me supporting me and mentors and leaders. And so I think that is so important, you know, to surround yourself with people like that, because it really, I was talking to someone earlier and, and she says, it really does take a village to raise, a, we were talking about kids, right. like it really does take each, a community, a, a, you know, to rely on each other. We are social beings and we do need each other to help each build each other up. I think, that is uh, I
0: think that's fantastic. I, I agree entirely. So let's talk about your book. You've got a new book coming out. I'm, 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 you know, congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you. Um, it's called Greater Fortune. Tell us about the book. What, what is it about?
1: So I share some of my um, strategies that I used to help get me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. And I am a, you know, a lot of people say, well, you probably had rich family that helped you. Like, <laughs> no, Like, I don't even know who my father was because I'm a product of rape. And I was born to a mentally disabled mom, which is why my grandparents raised me. And my grandparents mm-hmm. came from very humble means. Um, my grandfather was a barber. My grandma was a beautician, cosmetologist. So We didn't have a lot, so I didn't have anything to fall back on. So I show strategies and guides, so there's actually lessons in there that's really great to use as a mastermind or to use in business as a learning tool for your team. So that's basically what it is, but it's entertaining because it does use a lot of my experiences in my stories and everything that I've gone through to help show you how you can Use these guides in your own life to help you find your greater fortune.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's powerful, and I think your story is certainly good is certainly compelling. So, who do you think um, you know? Who, who did you write the book for? Who do you think's going to get the most out of this book?
1: Well, I I wrote it for anybody who feels that you know they're just stuck and they just can't get to the next level. Whether mm. you're making a million a year or you're making minimum wage or you're unemployed, especially now. Because I, I know what it's like to get fired and then you lose everything. And I know a lot of people have lost their jobs right now. And they're like, what do I do next? You know, what's the next step? So it's really written for, for people that really want to move up ahead, whether you wh- whether you want to move into management or you want to become an entrepreneur or you're already an entrepreneur, but you want to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. So this is who it's written for. And it's, you know, like I said, it's got great uh, lessons for personal and professional development.
0: Oh, that's fantastic! When you think back about your journey, the book um, what what are some what are some qualities that that led to your success? What are some characteristics that led to your success uh, that others can take away? And I'm sure that's going to be covered in the book as well. But what are some of those qualities? Because I think I see resiliency is a is a big part of your story and and perseverance. But I almost imagine that there's a little bit of something that I have on on my shoulder as well. And that's a little, I have a little chip on my shoulder and it's, uh, you know, I run a a company, I compete against $40 billion companies all day long. And I just want to prove that we can do it. You know, our little company can do it. I wondered if there's a little bit of that as well in what you do.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, I don't pay attention to the naysayers or what other people think about me, because we can't control what other people mm. say, what other people think. And you wouldn't want to, I mean, I wouldn't want anybody to know what's inside my mind sometimes, <laughs> you know? So like, I don't care. I don't pay attention to that. I don't focus on, you know, what everybody else is doing. And I know I've taken so many marketing courses where they're like, you need to know what the competition is doing. You yeah, have to a certain extent, but you really need to compete against yourself. Mm. So that you can make yourself better in whether it's your business compete against yourself so, so that you're always improving on your own products and on yourself, always looking to what you can do to improve. Like in healthcare, we have something called um, cap capas. And what we have to look for is we need to look at what what could potentially go wrong, even though there's nothing wrong, what could possibly go wrong and improve on it. So That's also a very valuable tool for you to have in your personal life. You know, yeah, everything seems fine. But, you know, what can I possibly do today to improve on if this if this were to go wrong? How would I handle this situation? And always look forward instead of looking back. Oh no, this happened to me because then you're gonna be stuck there. Where are you right now? You're okay, mm. okay, you have a problem. What can I do, you know, make a list? What are 10 solutions that I can do to, to help me get out of it? And you will come up with something, but it's when we get stuck in that mindset of, oh no, this happened to me, or you don't understand my my background or what I've been through. And, you know, we can get all caught up in that. And we all have challenges. I mean, there's no one that has a perfect life. So that's why we need to always be moving forward. Don't look back and don't worry about what anybody else thinks. No mm. no comparison. There's no time for comparison. And we tend to do that a lot in, in business. Um, we, we tell our kids that don't compare. There's always going to be someone more right, beautiful right. than you. someone smarter than you. Et cetera, et cetera, But we do it in business anyway. I see it all the time. Right, yeah, right, so we right. Compete against ourselves, And when you compete against yourself, you're always making yourself a better person or your service or your product or whatever it is that you have to offer. So that's, that's one of the things that I think is really important to focus
0: on. Let's keep moving forward. I love that message. I have a friend of mine, um, uh, John Brubaker, who always says his favorite animal is the kangaroo. And I was always like, why? And he said, because a kangaroo can't back up, but it can only move forward. And I think that's a great analogy. It sounds like you're, you're a kangaroo. You, you keep moving forward despite whatever is happening.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's really neat. So um what, uh, how can people find out more about you and your new book?
1: Um, my book, you go to amazon.com and get it there. It's called uh, Greater Fortune by Marie Cosgrove. And you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram. And, um, I'm on Twitter too, but mostly Facebook and, and Instagram. So you can follow me there. And I am going to be doing a new podcast, which I'd like for you to be a guest.
0: <laughs> I'd, love so <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to.
1: Yes, that would be awesome. But yes, we are, I do, I do public speaking. So I've spoken to audiences as large as 15,000. And so I know right now under COVID, uh, we're not really doing much of that, but we're doing a lot of virtual events. So I have one coming up on um, the new econ forum for 2021. But you can find out about all of that on Facebook and Instagram. Follow me.
0: Okay, sounds good. And I'll put links in the show notes for uh, all of your, uh, all of your socials and your website so everybody can find you.
1: All right, thank you.
0: Well, thank you very much. Well, that's a great story. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing it. And I encourage everyone to go pick up this book. It's called Greater Fortune. It comes out in March, and it's now available for pre-order. So uh, take a look at that. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. But, um, you know, I think all of us as leaders can learn a lot from Marie's story. I mean, um, you know, we all face uh, challenges, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, you're going to face some sort of challenge in your life. And I think Marie's story is that you can overcome those uh, challenges. And you can be successful and I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying, take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We
0: hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.